Hello, friends. Have you noticed how much podcasts have grown in popularity over the past few years? We definitely have, and it's insane. We have an opportunity for your business to take advantage of the exponential growth of our podcast by advertising with us. We've been riding the podcast growth wave for a few years now, and we want you to take advantage of this too. We have unbeatable pricing and advertising packages, and we work with you on an individual basis to produce the most effective ad possible for our audience. If you would like to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We look forward to all our new partnerships. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Bruce Goldberg. Before I bring him on, I want to tell you all about an amazing opportunity for you to mine your own cryptocurrency with a new helium miner. You can get it for free. By deploying a simple helium hotspot in your home or office, you can provide your city with miles of low-power network coverage for billions of devices and earn a new cryptocurrency, HNT. Mining HNT with hotspots is done via radio technology, not expensive or wasteful GPUs. Hotspots work together to form a new wireless global network and undertake proof of coverage. Start earning cryptocurrency by connecting your hotspot to the network with your mobile phone, and that is it. Just click the link in the description to get your free hotspot with free shipping. Also, uh, subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on LBRY.com. It's our official backup channel. We also have a brand new show called Beyond Classified. It's exclusively on Rockfin, which is an amazing new uncensored platform for free-thinking content creators, independent media. Uh, also, you can get your tickets now to Forbidden Knowledge NewsCon 2021, April 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, with 12 amazing presenters. Just visit ForbiddenKnowledge.News to check out this year's awesome lineup and get your tickets today. Finally, I just want to thank all of you that have made donations. Although I rarely talk about it or ask for them, we could use your help right now. Um, last month, our podcast provider demonetized us, and we won't get paid for that month. Fortunately, they did remonetize us, but uh, it's going to be rough for this month. You know, this is our job. Uh, unfortunately, we do need money to survive to do this. Um, you can also help by purchasing a ticket to Forbidden Knowledge NewsCon. Um, if you'd like to help and donate, all those links are in the description. Tonight, I want to welcome Dr. Bruce Goldberg. He's a dentist, hypnotherapist, and he specializes in past life regression and future life progression hypnotherapy. He's retired from dentistry to devote full time to his rapidly expanding international hypnotherapy practice. He has been on many radio and television talk shows, as well as a media consultant, a new age metaphysical activist, and spokesperson. He has written several books, and has produced dozens of self-hypnosis tapes. Dr. Goldberg, welcome. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. It's nice to reincarnate with you since we did an interview last year to promote the, uh, the UFO conference. Yes. <clears throat> so it's nice to finally see you. That was just an audio, so now I can see what you look like, and I'm very uh, interested in getting involved with your audience here. Yes, definitely. I've been looking forward to this. Um, your presentation at the Laughlin Conference was amazing. And exploration of consciousness and the possibilities that exist by using these hidden abilities that we all have is one of my favorite topics to discuss. 
the more I learn about the nature of reality, uh, the less I really know. There are seemingly so many layers to what we perceive as reality, and then there's this hidden reality that exists beyond the spectrum of our vision that we do have access to, and you've been doing work with hypnotherapy for a long time, and working with accessing some of these realms. I'd like to start with, first of all, what got you interested in doing hypnotherapy, and how long have you been doing that? Well, I started uh, hypnosis actually before I finished up my dental training. I was going to use hypnosis for medical purposes, pain control and apprehension, which I did for the 13 years that I practiced dentistry. But then I developed a separate practice metaphysically dealing with past life regression, then later on future life progression, then later on working with UFO abductees and time traveler abductees. So it got to be more complex as we get along. But the key issue to my field is that <clears throat> I felt that the world does not need another dentist, but it does need a metaphysical practitioner and an activist and an author in the field. And that's what I have become. The key issue to my work and really what we're trying to do here is to connect with the higher self. Everything I deal with is based upon the technique I developed back in 1977 called the superconscious mind tap, which is a way in which I train all my patients, uh, whether I work with them in person or by CDs or MP3 files, they can get those from my site, to connect with the higher self, the perfect part of our soul's energy. That is the hidden, uh, shall we say, spirit guide that we have, the hidden asset that we have that can help you to do anything that's humanly possible including healing, by the way, which is the major emphasis of my practice. So the higher self is everything. We're going to be talking about the fifth dimension today a lot during this interview. So I just wanted to find a term here that your listeners may not be familiar with unless they know my work, sure. because I invented this term. It's called ultra-terrestrial. Not extraterrestrial, but ultra-terrestrial. That means that you're in the fifth dimension. So when you go out of the body, or when you explore the fifth dimension anyway, you now become an ultra terrestrial. And that to me is important because that's how you can access the perfect part of your soul. The last part of your question I didn't answer, which I will now. So I've been doing this work since basically 1974. So we're talking about 47 years now uh, that I've been involved in this field. And uh, full time, almost all of that have been full time in this field. Dentistry was a part-time practice for 11 of the 13 years I practiced. So I'm definitely dedicated and committed to this field. And uh, this is a lot more fun than uh, drilling holes in people's teeth. I can tell you that. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to discuss is you mentioned that it can have profound healing aspects to hypnotherapy, that many things can be healed that you would have never thought that hypnotherapy could do. Could you talk about some of the benefits and what can be cured with hypnotherapy. Okay, well, now, for the benefit of your, of your listeners, uh, if they go to my homepage, they can see all my 21 books are on there. The one that's relevant to that last question is actually my book, Soul Healing. Now, in my book, Soul Healing, I document fully the superconscious mind tap, and I have several cases in there, many cases, but two of them are striking. One is a case of cancer, lung cancer, that was literally cured, not by me, but by the patient's higher self, by using the superconscious mind tap. And then there's a case of AIDS. And this case was done way back in the early 90s when we didn't have all the medication and treatment we have today. So the point is, is that the, the basic bottom line of all this, and I say this on the air and people don't seem to listen to it, so everybody focus on this, important. 99% of the cures and the therapy that I do is done by the patient and their higher self. I'm doing 1% for training. 
That's one-tenth of an LA agent. So basically patients are trained to be their own therapists. Natural, no drugs, no chemotherapy, no radiation, nothing unnatural, strictly unnatural energy healing. The subconscious mind is our soul, but it accesses the higher self, which is an alpha brainwave. We can measure that by the electroencephalograph and it's electromagnetic radiation, just like the signal of this computer. The, 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 uh, this interview is on electromagnetic radiation. Most radiation in the universe is electromagnetic, television, radio, cell phones, etc. It's harmless radiation. The soul and the higher self, the perfect part of our soul, is also electromagnetic radiation. So why not use something au natural and to do something like healing? Now, there are things that when you're dealing with cancer and AIDS, those were incurable. Those are medically impossible, supposedly, which of course is not true because they were cured. And there are spontaneous cures of cancer every year. So <clears throat> uh, the things that we are trained, and I was trained medically in my program by physiology, biochemistry, and my pathology professors, it was all wrong. They say you can't cure it because DNA replicates bad DNA. Well, guess what? They forget about the energy part. The energy can actually change the DNA. That's how you can cure cancer or AIDS or lupus or any of the so-called incurable diseases. So that's what my theme is, is always based upon curing uh, with the patient doing most 99% of the work. At the same time, just for the benefit of your listeners, on my uh, homepage, they can access my YouTube channel where I have about 55 different clips showing various techniques, regression, progression, uh, time travel contactees, UFO contactees, uh, dealing with psychic uh, removal of psychic attack by self-defense mechanisms, spirit guide contacts. All those are on there. So, you know, there's an old expression, me being from New York, talk is cheap. Okay, we want to see it. Well, they can go to the uh, homepage in the upper right-hand corner. They can click onto the YouTube channel. It's also on Rumble too, but YouTube is a, a little bit easier for most people. Uh, so basically what I'm trying to say here is that uh, you want to be able to uh, do this yourself naturally with a little guidance. Uh, some, some people just don't want to do sessions. By the way, most of my sessions are done by computer, 95% of them. So I do Zoom, FaceTime, or Skype for the sessions. So they don't have to come to Los Angeles. If they do, they're welcome to. But most of my patients don't because I see people from all over the world. Uh, and I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, I'm also, as you know, a public speaker. I will be uh, giving a talk at the uh, Mega UFO Conference in Laughlin, Nevada in June. June 6th to the 12th is the range. I don't have a date for mine yet, but I will have it in a couple of months. Um, and uh, so, uh, like I say, and they can also see me regularly on Gaia with George Norrie. I do his Beyond Belief show. Uh, I did just one a couple of months ago, which should be aired within the next four to six weeks. If they're a member, they can see, they always update the new uh, uh, shows. Uh, and uh, on my own homepage, they can see that I do a monthly webinar the second Sunday of the month between 12 and 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I do a two-hour webinar on different topics. They can see the ones that are relevant. The next one is Spirit Guide Contact. And I also do a group hypnosis experience every with every webinar. So not only do they get a chance to hear the theory behind it, we'll be discussing Spirit Guides in a few moments, but they can also experience hypnosis uh, with my techniques on every one of my webinars. So that's every Sunday, second Sunday of the month, um, and uh, all the, uh, uh, the uh, topics are announced in advance. So I just wanted to uh, do that. Also, for people who don't like to read, 
there. Uh, my books are on audio. Amazon has about 18 of my books on audio. So you can just push a button, put your headphones on, and uh, you can enjoy the uh, mentality here. Very good. Yes, definitely check that out. Now, um, when it comes to consciousness, um, what are your thoughts? Do, do you think it is something that's local or is it something that's not local? And when we're having an out-of-body experience, does the consciousness actually leave the body? How does this work? Okay, so uh, first I'm going to use good old quantum physics to answer your question. Okay, I don't want to bore people with equations. Don't worry about it. Quantum physics says that all matter and all uh, particles interact with each other all throughout the universe. So it's, it's local, but not local. Okay, you can interact, and, and this is uh, the very details of quantum mechanics. They can check podcasts out. It's very technical, very complicated, but basically there's an interaction. Let me give you an example first. Let's do it. Let's say you're in a laboratory, you're in a physics lab, and you're studying an electron. Okay. While you're studying it through the electron microscope, you automatically destroy the electron. In the other part of the laboratory, a positron, another subatomic particle, the same weight, the same, with well, really no weight, but the same mentality of an electron is automatically destroyed. Why? Because the positron is an electron moving forward in time. An electron is a positron moving backward in time. So if you destroy one particle, you automatically destroy the other. See the connection here? So this is an example of how that works. Um, as far as consciousness and what happens when you go out of the body. So let me give you the, I'm gonna give you the medical and the metaphysical aspect. So this is hard-nosed medical 101, neurology 101. When you go to sleep at night, you pass into various brain levels, brain waves we call them. You go from the beta brain wave, which is the normal consciousness you're functioning now, into an alpha wave, which is what hypnosis and meditation is. And then you go into theta and delta. Delta is very deep sleep. It's almost a flat line when you're paralyzed and you get most of your rest. And then the fifth stage is the alpha level again, the REM cycle, the rapid eye movement or the dream level. Now that's medical 101. What medical 101 doesn't tell you is that when you're in the REM cycle, the dream level is not some psychological fantasy. You are now in the fifth dimension. All dreams are out-of-body experiences. And I'm not the only one who agrees with that, by the way. And there are studies to show that. Now, what happens? The soul itself leaves a clone of itself like an alias on a computer to occupy the physical body while it sojourns into the fifth dimension during the REM cycle at night. So in other words, you're never going to be possessed. You don't have to worry about it, okay? You can ignore the exorcist movies, okay? Now, when you go through your REM cycle, you go through four or five sleep cycles throughout the night, now, eventually you wake up in the morning, the uh, astral body that your soul is occupying, it occupies the spiritual body, let's call it the astral body on the astral plane. Now it slams back into the physical body and that alias is destroyed. And now the soul is reoccupying the physical body. So let me give you an example which your audience can relate to. I guarantee you, everybody has this experience. If not, you can send me emails on my site and just tell me how wrong I am. Everybody has dreams of flying right? You do too, right? Everybody does. Now, what does the dream of flying represent? When you're leaving the body into your first REM cycle, that is the flying aspect. You're leaving the body and flying into the fifth dimensional sky or whatever it is. Now, what some people, what many people don't have as a dream level, some people do, I do, I definitely, and some, a small percentage of my patients do, is that in your fifth dimension, you're dreaming and all of a sudden you're falling into an abyss. You could hear a pin drop. It's very dark, you don't hear anything, but you don't splat. So what is that? That's the soul 
shall we say, the soul occupying a spiritual body coming back into the physical body and slamming back into the body. And if you ever notice when you wake up in the morning, you're disoriented for a few seconds. Like, is it 6 a.m. or is it 6 p.m.? Right? You don't know where you are for about a second or two. And then you stabilize yourself. That is because your astral body and the soul from that is slammed back into the physical. So that's what out-of-body experience is. That's fascinating. So in essence, um, our sleep and different states of meditation could, uh, in essence, be uh, a door to spiritual realm, basically, right? Yes, actually it is. Now, here's the problem, though. <clears throat> you don't want to, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, ex brief briefly explain the chakra system, okay? We have seven major chakras that are on the spiritual body, not on the physical body, okay? You're not going to get them dissected in an autopsy, okay? This is a astral body. So the third chakra is the belly button or solar plexus area. Most people, because they're untrained, don't know what they're doing, and they argue with people and they watch bad movies at night, um, they're gonna leave, the soul is going to leave the third chakra. The only place you can go to is the lower astral plane. That's a bad neighborhood. You don't want to go there. But that's where just about everybody goes to. Now, you want to leave through the crown chakra, the seventh chakra, just above the top of the head. This is called the highest chakra. There are four higher chakras, the heart, throat, third eye, and then the crown. Crown chakra is the seventh chakra. Now, if you leave through that, which is what I train my patients to do, then the only place you can go to is the upper astral plane or the causal mental etheric or soul plane. We'll discuss those in a moment, but they're all positive. The only negative dimensions are the lower astral and this one. Every other dimension is positive. So let me give you an example of where, how, how you know where you are when you travel out of the body. Yeah. There are certain characteristics. Now, uh, my, uh, by the way, I detail this in my most current book, Exploring the Fifth Dimension, which if your audience wants to order that from my site, not from bookstores, they get a free CD uh, accompanying it called, called Fifth Dimensional Travel. So they can do a self-hypnosis technique, which can take them out of the body. Very good. You yes, you can just book, click the link in the description to pick that up. Pardon me? What? Telling the audience they can click the link in the description to pick that up. Okay, so uh, so this way, but if you get it through Amazon or Barnes and Noble any bookstores, they won't do that. Only through my office. So that's and if you mention the show, you know you're going to get the CD anyway. Um, so let's talk about the dimensions. The physical plane that we're on now, or the Earth plane, uh, is characterized by a certain sound. Every dimension has a sound. The sound of thunder is the Earth plane. Now, why is that significant? Let's say you want to travel out of the body. You're going to do an out of body experience. You don't want to do it during a thunderstorm. Why? It's not dangerous, it never is, but it's almost like you're like a salmon swimming upstream because the thunder is gonna keep you on the earth plane. So you wanna wait till the storm is over before you do the out-of-body experience technique, okay? The earth plane is, a, is the illusion of reality. In other words, nothing here is real. We think it is, but it's not. If you study East Indian literature, they call this the Mayas, the illusions of the earth plane, okay? Uh, so uh, this is the plane of space, time, matter, and energy. Okay, but you know, it's not real. This is like the matrix here, okay? All right, the next dimension is the astral plane. Now that's divided into the lower and the upper. The lower astral plane, people will think they're in purgatory or hell. It's nasty. It's surrounded by negative entities. It's noisy. Pixies, trolls, gargoyles, fairies, wolf, werewolves, vampires. That's what you find on the lower astral plane, including some of the bad ETs, like the greys and the reptilians. They hang out there too. Um, now, the upper astral plane is very different. It's very positive, it's clear, it's, it's uh, filled with positive entities, and you can actually access your higher self there. The astral plane itself is the source of all our emotions and our psychic phenomena. 
Uh, so basically, it's a very emotional dimension. So if you're very angry at something, you could create anything you want in the fifth dimension. So if you're angry and you want to create a Darth Vader or some gargoyle, you could do that. Can't do it on the earth plane, but you most definitely could do it on any of the fifth dimension. There's also an astral museum in the upper astral plane, which is the museum of the future technology. This is where Tesla and Einstein and Edison would hang out. And that's where I developed my, uh, I was the one who developed the future life progression technique as well as the super conscious mind tap. I got that from the Astral Museum. So anyone could go there if you're trained properly, of course. Beyond the um, astral plane is the causal plane, which is a very tiny dimension. This is characterized by the tinkle of bells as a sound, like you're in a new age bookstore. And it's the home of the Akashic records. So when people want to read the Akashic records, which is how you get memories of past and future lives or parallel lives, or just reading the universe as Akasha, go back to the Big Bang Theory if you want, uh, you're going to be dealing with the causal plane. Uh, any dimension whatsoever, including the Earth plane, you can access the Akashic records, but they're stored as a fifth dimensional computer chip on the causal plane. Beyond the causal plane is one of my favorite dimensions, the mental plane. Now, this is the one where spiritual masses would hang out, uh, a Jesus, a Buddha, a Moses, uh, you know, Krishna, they would hang out there. It's the dimension characterized by the sound of running water. Uh, it's the source of moral teachings, ethics, and philosophy. So it's a really beautiful dimension. It's kind of weird, though, because all the homes look like geometric designs. Uh, the roads that you travel on are iridescent blue because it's made from the soil, which is iridescent blue. So if you're driving in the car and you see a blue uh, freeway, you're on the mental plane. Uh, all the citizens there wear, look like little angels. They wear white smocks. And like I say, it's a very cool dimension. Beyond that is another very important dimension. This is the largest one. It's the etheric plane. The etheric plane is characterized by the sound of buzzing of bees. It, it, it's not as annoying as it sounds. It's very light level, but you can hear the buzzing of bees. It's, um, it's basically important because not only is it the largest dimension and you can see stars 24 hours, 24 hours a day, but it's the home of what I call etheric plane surgeons. These are weird looking giant tadpole entities. You say, well, what, what's, what's the advantage of them? These surgeons can operate on the etheric body. Now, let me explain. When you go to a different dimension, you occupy the name of the, the spiritual body is the name of the dimension. So if you go to the astral plane, you're in your astral body. If you go to the causal plane, you're in your causal body. All the bodies are different in size and dimension than the physical body, except for the etheric. Like the astral body is taller, thinner, and younger looking. Uh, than the earth body. So obviously a lot of women like to go there. Okay. Get that. Okay. All right. Um, I know I'm getting all the sexist emails. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm from New York. Okay. You got a problem. Let's meet in the parking lot. Okay. Now the etheric body though is identical to the physical body. Mirror image. Therefore, if you heal the etheric body on the etheric plane via the etheric plane surgeons in this fifth dimensional OR, it's a very difficult technique but then you can transfer the healing when you return to the physical body from the etheric body to the physical. And that's how cancer and AIDS was cured by my patients, not by me. I trained it, but they did that. That was etheric plane surgery. So I use etheric plane surgery on incurable diseases or just on things that are so complicated, like somebody's in pain because they got into a car accident and they don't want to be on meds for the rest of their life. 
or any kinds of issues. Sometimes they have psoriasis or all these uh, psychosomatic issues and, and all they're doing is putting ointment on it and nothing is happening. They're still uh, being affected negatively. Uh, Ferric plane surgery. And again, it's a low percentage. It doesn't happen every time, but when it works, it's brilliant. And uh, this is an example of that. Now, beyond the, uh, now the, the karmic cycle that we reincarnate into is based upon these lower five planes. So the etheric, the mental, the causal, the astral, and the physical represent the karmic cycle. Okay. Now, beyond that is the DMZ of the, uh, of the fifth dimension. That's called the soul plane. The soul plane is characterized by the single note of a flute. And the entities that are permanent residents look like uh, giant heads. They're really weird looking. What is the advantage of the soul plane? It's not the karmic cycle and it's not the higher planes. It's where you go after you cross into spirit or clinically die from any of these lives that you have on these dimensions. And that's where you reincarnate from. That's where you and your masters and guides and your higher self, maybe an angel or two or, or departed loved one will help you to choose your next life. Now, let's say you perfect your karmic cycle. Let's say you wipe out all the karma. Okay, the balance is zero. Now you're going to ascend now you're going to go from the soul plane into the higher planes to rejoin what I call the God energy complex into nirvana, heaven, whatever term you want to use. You will then uh, join it from the soul plane, which means you shed the last body, that would be the soul plane body, and now you're pure energy. And now you join into the higher planes. The higher planes are characterized by indescribable orchestra music. And once you go there, you never come back. That's where angels, archangels, whatever terms you want, masters, that's where they're all eventually wind up. So that's, where, what, that's what the goal is. The goal is to get out of the karmic cycle. Okay? The average uh, person has probably a thousand past lives. It's not impressive. Actually, you want to get out of here in two. You need to be a child and a parent. You can do that in two lives. Nobody does that. Okay? Uh, so the, when people say, hey, I think I've been out of here like a thousand times, I said, very good. Not impressive. Get out of here. You want to yeah. go to summer school? Okay. Get out of here. That's the mentality. So that's my little diatribe about the uh, the out of body experiences. Yeah. What I'd like to do is show you how the spirit guides fit into this. Yeah, definitely. I was just about to ask you about that. Okay. So when you're on the soul plane, you're going to be advised by your spirit guides as to uh, what body to choose. Now, uh, and we're going to I'm going to define the spirit guides in a moment. Uh, so in other words, let's say you say, okay, I want to go to like in my case, I want to go to New York City to reincarnate my life here. Uh, the problem is you can be blackballed by the family that you're going to go into. They have a right in their astral level, they don't know this consciously, to blackball you. So you just because you choose a great body and this and that, you know, a, a lifetime, an environment, a family, whatever, which you mostly have had karmic ties with. You choose environments in which you've known people. We call this a karmic subcycle, where maybe a dozen lives you're with the same people sometimes in different levels. Your mother could have been your wife or your father could have been your brother, you know, so there's no karmic incest here, folks, okay? So let's deal with that, okay? Um, so uh, let's say that they don't blackball you. So the spirit guides and your higher self, the perfect part of your soul will advise you and then you will make your choice. But now on the earth plane, can you access spirit guides too? The answer is yes. My next webinar is going to be on spirit guide contact, but let me define the spirit guides. There's a whole bunch of them. First, I had to separate angels from spirit guides. Now, an angel is directly known as a messenger of God. They were never human. They were created by the God energy complex. And um, uh, they don't work with humans one-on-one -on -one very, very commonly. They usually work with groups. So you're not really going to, even though it's a guardian angel, that's a nice name, but it's really rare. 
Spirit guides, however, you'll see are much more common. So an angel, remember, is not, we're never human. Uh, they're perfect beings. They are, you know, they, they love us, of course. They only represent love, but you're not gonna get the angel a whole lot. However, there are zillions of spirit guides. In fact, the average person probably has a couple of dozen spirit guides at one time. When you progress spiritually, then you get a different set of guides. You get a more mature one. So as you grow spiritually, the spirit guides will change. So let me give you some examples. One would be what I call the chemist guides. These are guides that will work with you on biochemical or medical issues. So let's say you've got anemia or you've got lupus or you've got cancer or whatever. Uh, then the chemist guides will be the one to help you heal. Then there's the doctor. Uh, this is a spirit guide who assists you in your mental, physical, and emotional uh, development and healing. Uh, these guys usually had lives on earth. Remember, these were human now. All spirit guides were once human. Now they're in between lives. They're just more spiritually evolved than you and I. Uh, the doctor guide was probably a healer or physician in his past life. Okay. Uh, the gatekeeper is the, ne the next kind of spirit guide. These are uh, spiritual uh, guides that help you with protection from negative entities and evil forces like lower astrals, which do most of the psychic attack. They function as guards and allow only positive beings to communicate with you. And the, the gatekeepers can also function on these um, stargates or these wormholes that allow these lower astrals into our environment, as well as ETs. So they can help us there too. So they're really important. Uh, the main gatekeepers, of course, for ETs are the Pleiadians, but uh, gatekeeper spirit guides can also assist them. Then the message guides help us in the development of our psychic gifts, our intuition, clairaudience, hearing spirit guides, clairvoyance, seeing them, etc. So that's called the message guides. And then the poltergeist or ghosts or people that you've known, maybe relatives who died, like grandparents or parents or children sometimes, uh, they are on the uh, astral plane too, they're in between lives, and they, before they reincarnate, they can assist you too. They can actually work as a spirit guide. Okay, so the point of all this is like, think of the Buddha's situation. Buddha was enlightened being under the bow tree and he decided instead of going to the God energy complex and just, you know, becoming one with God, he decided to be a spirit guide. So he hangs around during his various reincarnations uh, and uh, is a spirit guide, 13 of them now. Uh, so that's what spirit guides are. Now, let me help differentiate. This is very important now. Differentiate. Suppose you're practicing a technique and I have many of my my uh, Astral Voyaging album has a spirit guide uh, a CD in there or MP3 file in there too. And there are other techniques. So let's say you're accessing a, an entity, but you don't know who it is. So there's only two choices here. Is it a spirit guide? I'm gonna play, I'm gonna equate that with a higher self even though they're different, but they're positive. Or is it a lower astral entity trying to yank your proverbial chain? Very important differentiation. So what can they do? How do you tell? It's very simple. The lower astral entity can mimic most of the things a spirit guide can do. It can read your mind because all communication is telepathic in the fifth dimension. But what it can't do is create a feeling of unconditional love. It can only create anxiety and fear. So if you're dealing with an entity and you all of a sudden you feel uncomfortable, just tell it to take a walk into a hairpiece loads, okay? It's going to go away. It's a lower astral. And again, they want to hurt you. They want to jerk you around. They want, they're just negative, nasty entities. Uh, a spirit guide itself, a true spirit guide, or if it's your higher self, doesn't matter. They're fine too, of course, the perfect part of your soul. They will generate unconditional love. They will give you only positive advice. They're not going to try to run your life. They just kind of try to assist you. A spirit guide would say, 
worship me. Don't listen to anyone but me. And they'll use bad language and they'll just try to make fun of people. They'll do everything, every creepy thing in the world you want to hear. And you don't want to hear it. So you can just, you can just dismiss them. So that's very important to, dis, to differentiate between the two. So if you feel uncomfortable, no matter how good that entity seems to be, remember, they can read your mind. So of course they know a lot about you. That doesn't mean, prove anything. So what? Okay. They can still try to con you and they will try to con you. So basically your own emotional state during the interaction is everything. They cannot, this is how the universe protects us because in the universe, good versus evil, mono one mono, good always wins or else we'd be speaking demonic today. Okay. So, um, and just a better, just a reference for your audience. There are no, there's no such thing as the devil and there's no such thing as hell. And I'll debate any theologian. I'm a theological scholar. I can do this in my, with my hands tied behind my back. My Egypt book gives you the origin. But basically, the, um, the lower astral plane seems like hell because it's really nasty. The difference is you can get out of it. You can go from the lower to the upper, even in the same night. Because when I train my patients, sometimes they go to the lower astral plane and they're having a nightmare, but they're being trained to go from the lower to the upper. By definition, you can't get out of hell, see? And there's no devil. There are lower level demonic entities, yes, but there's no devil. There's no guy with a pitchfork and a red face and horns. That was just made up to scare people because if you want to control people, you scare them. Uh, every bureaucracy does it, okay? Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I want to empower people by, by telling them this. The only reason why you have a karmic cycle is because you're giving into fear. If you overcome fear, then you can ascend. Check out our friends at Linguistity Gifts. Linguistity Gifts is a metaphysical store offering natural gemstone bead bracelets, signature and zodiac, designed and made in the United States, as well as raw and polished stones, crystal balls, pendulums, tarot cards, natural crystal points, wands, and so much more. Their beautiful signature design bracelets can aid with creativity, balance, focus, and well-being. They can even customize the bracelets for you. Just send them an email to find out pricing and availability. Visit their website using the link in the description or visit linguistitygifts.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your first order over $20. And right now, they are offering $5 off the purchase of two or more bracelets. Linguistitygifts.com. And that's the only reason why we're here. Everything else is earth plane caca. So you want to get rid of fear. Now, would you say that most of the non-human entities that we come into contact with, whether it be during um, dream states, astral travel, or even, um, you know, contact experiences where people see different entities, would you say that most of these come from these different planes and realms that you were mentioning? Well, okay. Uh, when you say most, it depends on the individual. You have to understand an entity itself. Yes, remember, you have a couple of dozen spirit guides at one time. So that, that's a lot. Then you have your higher self, which is usually represented as the white light. Although it can take any human form at once, it can look like a Jesus or a Mohammed or a Buddha or whatever, uh, or a grandparent. Uh, but, but the lower astrals, there's a lot more of them around. They're all over the place. Okay? But remember, you can differentiate them by the feelings. So you don't worry about that as long as you don't hang around the lower astral plane. And as long as you recognize the power that you have, where when a lower astral confronts you, and they will, you can just say, bye-bye, like they do on the airlines, and they have to go away, and they will. They don't have any power. The only power is 
bluffing. They're con artists. They're just trying to bluff you and scare you and use fear to do that. So whenever you generate feelings of fear, you know you're dealing with a lower astral. Whereas a spirit guide or your higher self will only give you unconditional feelings of unconditional love. Yes, um, I've actually experienced that firsthand, so I know exactly the difference between the feelings you're talking about. And that feeling of love is profound. You can't, you can't mistake it. It's nothing that you, not like an earthly love that you feel like for your mom or dad. It's something way more profound and, and something no, you can't I, mistake. When I, deal with my, when I deal with my female patients especially, I ask them what their goals are in therapy. And they'll say, I want to meet a soulmate. And I said, so what's your definition of a soulmate? And they said, well, I want to meet a man who gives me unconditional love. And I would say, look, human beings are not capable of that. If you want unconditional love, get a dog. <laughs> I recommend miniature schnauzers. My dog, Karma, is a good example. Uh, but you understand we're not capable of that. You can get close to it, but no human being is going to give you unconditional love. Okay? Right. You want to deal with people that are positive, and you want to have your life to be much more positively oriented. See, when I look about somebody, somebody says, what do you think about somebody? How do you judge someone? I don't care how much money they have. I don't care who they know. I don't care what kind of car they drive. I care about, are they a spiritual person? Uh, do they treat, do they do the golden rule? Treat people the way they want to be treated themselves? Um, are they um, uh, open-minded about things rather than being some racist, bigoted idiot uh, or being cruel about things? That to me is how you judge a person. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, you can't buy your way into nirvana, okay? You have to earn it. And you have to earn it by your acts. And that's how you get rid of karma. So that's, that's a, if everybody practiced that principle, remember karma is interesting. You show you how stupid people can be. If you lie and cheat and weasel and do dumb things, which happens all the time, what do you think is going to happen? You think you're going to get away with it? You think you can scam the universe, universal laws? They're made by, by the God energy complex. You know, I don't really care about secular laws. I don't care about religious laws, but I do care about universal laws. Because the others plagiarize universal laws. Well, they call them natural laws. Universal laws is the more metaphysical term. So that is what counts, right? And by the way, doing unto others kind of thing, if you did that, we wouldn't have any problems in the world. We would be living in the Garden of Eden here. The problem is human nature has the right of free will. That is the big problem, okay? I like free will. I like making choices. Problem is people make a lot of bad choices and they do it every day. And they don't seem to get it. What I find today in human nature is people double down. You ever notice how nobody missed their wrong? All they do is double down about everything. And it's not just politically. You see that all the time, of course. I mean, in life, it's ego. That's what it is. This is the defense mechanisms, which is the enemy of therapy. That's the beta brainwave level. I prefer the alpha level, the soul, the subconscious mind, etc. So that's the difference between... Uh, spirit guides versus lower astrals and you can access spirit guides they're here for you you have to request them or your higher self is the one that assigns them but you do have to request them they're not just going to come in there and just take over your body or to just make your life nice and smooth and clean no you've got to earn that this is a schoolhouse approach where you have core lessons you have to learn and one of them is to uh, make choices that are good uh, to listen to your advisors because they will advise you during the REM cycle See, I think the average person, unless they're completely mentally disturbed, they know the difference between right or wrong. You don't have to educate people on that, okay? So when they make decisions, they know what they're doing. If they make a bad decision, uh, don't blame it on anybody else or your parents or because you came from a lower middle-class family. Or what. Don't blame that. It's you as, a, you as an individual, as an, indiv as an individual. You have the right to say yes or no. So I have very little patience with people telling me, it's not my fault. My dog ate my homework. 
which is what you're saying, basically. And, right. um, you know, I have a dog. Right. She's never ate my homework. I've never seen that. Okay, so you want to take responsibility and be cool. And if you do that, the universe will reward you. Now, another thing that can happen before we talk about time travelers is the concept of parallel universes. Now, this is actually backed by quantum physics. So let's say that a person, a patient of mine has a really bad life. There are things they can't change. They got a criminal record, incurable disease. They lost an arm, whatever, 10 divorces. Okay, I live in California, it's not unusual. Okay, so um, uh, what are you gonna do? I mean, they can't change their background. They can't go on with their life because no one's gonna hire them with a felony record or uh, because of their physical disabilities and maybe mental disabilities. So what can they do? I don't believe suicide is an answer. What is an answer is they can perceive parallel universes. This is a technique I call the new you technique, which my book is called Custom Design Your Own Destiny. If your uh, viewers want to uh, look at that and there's also a CD album with that and they can switch tracks and uh, they can go into a different universe. Now I've had people say to me, including hosts, and they would say, well, doctor, you know, that's a nice theory, but how do we know you're not just bullshitting us, right? And I said, because I practice what I preach. In 1992, I was approached by a writer friend of mine to do a TV movie. And the, uh, I selected a case that uh, was based on my second book called The Search for Grace, a documented case of reincarnation where a woman was attracted to a married man uh, and he tried to murder her on three different occasions. And she had 20 past lives with this guy where he murdered her. Okay, that movie by 1994 was put into what they call developmental hell in Hollywood, where they weren't going to air it. They weren't going to film it. Too many problems with the producers, political problems. They were suing each other. It was crazy. So the writer, who's an old friend of mine, said, look, Bruce, he goes, you know, I need the money for this thing. Is there anything you can do? And I said, yeah, I'll take care of it. He said, the network doesn't want to hear from you. And I said, I'm not going to talk to those energy vampires. I said, I have one of my weird techniques. So I used my new you technique and I saw that the frequency I was on, I call a parallel universe of frequency, the movie was not gonna air. I still had a pretty good life, right? It was fun, but I said, nah, I'm, I wanna go to where it will air. And I switched tracks. May 17th, 1994, The Search for Grace aired on CBS. And I'm on that new universe. Now I still remember the old one, which was still a pretty good universe, but this one is better. Okay, so basically I practice what I preach. I made the switch. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly safe. And people who make the switch, you're still gonna have your family there. You just may have a different reaction with them. Some of the people that are creepy in your life may be very nice in that, future, in that parallel life, okay? Uh, and so and your occupation could be different. Genetically, you're gonna look the same. You're gonna have the same DNA, but the opportunities and the environment will be different. So I call going into a parallel life, not a regression, not a progression, which means the future, it's a paragression. And going into a parallel universe technically is a fifth dimensional experience, which means it's you're an ultra terrestrial. So now I'm an ultra terrestrial because I went into the fifth dimension and switched frequencies, okay? But anyone can do it, okay? It's not an easy technique, but it's doable to anyone if they have the proper training for it. So that's what parallel universes are like. Well, that's that's fascinating, and I, I guess that should bring us perfectly into talking about time and time travel, but I think we should first kind of establish that time really doesn't exist as we perceive it, right? Yeah, let me give you a good example now. This is called the space-time continuum, so I don't want to bore you with Einstein's theory of relativity, 
uh, which by the way proves it mathematically. And the term space-time continuum was, was coined by Minkowski, which was Einstein's uh, professor. Okay, so uh, Einstein didn't name it, but of course he had the math. All right, so let me give you an example. When you go into the fifth dimension, just the actual plane, what I call the baby plane, when you're out of the earth plane into the fifth dimension, you're now in the space-time continuum, which means all time, past, present, and future is simultaneous. That is not just my opinion, that's quantum mechanics and the string theory and anything else in the form of physics and modern physics today. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you're driving in your car and uh, it depends, I don't know whatever freeways your audience is, but let's say you're driving your car in a certain location by your home and there's a car five miles behind you that you can't see. You can't see five miles behind a freeway and there's a car five miles in front of you. That would be your future. The one behind you is your past. Now you can't see either of those two cars, but let's say you were in a helicopter a couple of hundred feet above the freeway, like a traffic report. They have the radio stations do that, right? TV stations too sometimes. So now the helicopter can see all three cars, past, present, and future simultaneously. So when you're in the fifth dimension, you're in the helicopter of life, so to speak. So, you're, so time does not exist. So maybe a thousand years go by in the earth plane, that would be instantaneous in the fifth dimension. So when people go into the fifth dimension, they can perceive their future. So let me give you one quick, one quick analogy of this. Back in 1996, I was working with this woman from New York City. She was a college student. She just graduated. And she wanted to work on out-of-body experiences. She saw my movie, The Search for Grace, a couple of years prior to that. So she comes to Los Angeles, right? And I work with her for a week. Not a problem. She's a great patient. And um, she, she wants to go out of the body. Now, I told her, I said, when you go out of the body, you're going to be able to go into the space-time continuum. That means you're going to be able to see the future. She goes, really? And I said, yeah. So now I see her on a Monday. I'm training her. She goes out of the body that night, and she sees an event that's going to happen on Tuesday of that week, following day, right? It happens. So she had about four or five of these incidences where she was able to see future events. These were not big things. These were little things, but things that were not predictable, Okay. Okay, so she's a great patient. She's got a good track record here, right? These, these situations manifested the way she perceived them. So now she goes home. I call her Tammy, not her real name. So now it's the end of uh, June, and she calls me up of 1996. You'll see the year is important. And um, she, she goes, Doctor, this is Tammy. I, I have an emergency. And I said, Tammy, I retired from dentistry at a very young age to get out of that. What's, what's your problem? She goes, well, I want to go to Europe next month to visit with my friends. We're going to go to Paris, and then we're going to hang out for six weeks. I'm going to go to graduate school. I said, yeah, and? She goes, I used your techniques. I wanted to see how my trip was going to be. So I see myself taking off at JFK from the 747, right? Plane goes up, immediately crashes. I die, everybody dies. And I said, she goes, what do I do? And I said, Tammy, I don't want to run your life. I believe in psychic empowerment. Why don't you just change your flight plans and call me at the end of the summer? She goes, okay, as a millennial, with, okay. So I said, okay. So now we focus, we fast forward to the end of August. She calls me up. She goes, doctor, this is Tammy. I just want you to know that she said something I hate when the patients say to me. You saved my life. And I said, no, I don't do that. What's going on? And she said, she was going to go on TWA flight 800. Now, if you may not remember, but uh, I have to show your audience my unconditional love karma. That's karma. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, TWA Flight 800 took off at JFK on July 17th, 1996, went up in the air, immediately crashed. All 230 passengers and crew died. 
she would have been 231. I didn't save her life, her higher self did. So this is how you can actually perceive the future. She saw a real future and saved her life. Now, to be perfectly clear, on a parallel universe, she died, but not on this one, okay? So that's how significant going out of the body can be. By the way, I've been out of the body over 3,000 times. It's perfectly safe. I'm not speaking to you from the astral plane, okay? I am on the earth plane, so uh, it's not, not a problem. So that leads us into the time travel. So time travel, regardless of all the junk that you read about time travel, how it's in the Montauk project and we have time machines and blah, 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 that stuff is all a scam. What's gonna happen from my research, and I've gotten this from many people, not just one or two people, time travel will, will be discovered in approximately the year 3050. And they're gonna, a man named Tatos, T-A-A-T-O-S, will be the one who develops. He's sort of like the, the Da Vinci of his time. He is a uh, scientist, he's a physicist, he's a, a scholar, he's a physician, he's everything. And he develops what's called the Wormhole Linear Accelerator. WLA, which is a device that goes that enlarges a wormhole to classic size, allows him in the craft with his colleagues, his fellow members here, to go back in time. And he becomes the first chrononaut. That's the term that I use to describe a time travel, chrononaut. Chrono means time, nor is like astronaut, okay? So um, now his crew is interesting. His crew, listen to the names now. Uh, his crew was Geb, Osiris, Isis, and Horus. Ring a bell? Their first trip was to ancient Egypt. So if you come in ancient Egypt in a wormhole linear accelerator and you've got a craft landing on the ground, they're going to either kill you or worship you as a god. They decide to do the latter. And Tatos, by the way, was also known as Thoth by the ancient Egyptians. He was also the god of wisdom, okay? Which is pretty accurate considering uh, Tatos's reputation. <clears throat> so that's the time traveler mentality. So uh, now that goes on until the 35th century, the wormhole linear accelerator, and then they develop teleportation as a way to go back in time. So you no longer have to enlarge a wormhole because when you do enlarge a wormhole, you create tears in the fabric of space time. That's why we have crabs falling from the sky. That's why we have all these tsunamis and earthquakes, not just because of normal earth activities, but some of them are exaggerated because of these uh, wormhole situations. Um, <clears throat> so that's the, that's the mentality of time travelers. So these time travelers, they're here basically to help us, not to hurt us. They, they do do abductions, but not to do what the greys do, where they just try to get you know, sperm and egg samples and they try to torture people. The time travelers will abduct us because they want to spiritually help us evolve because they're us in the future. So the better we are, the better they are. So there's a self-interest involved. Now, a typical time traveler team, other than the first team, which was obviously all uh, Caucasian men and one woman, obviously, Isis, was basically uh, the first part of it was you have, would have two greys. Greys would be part of our, our society. They would have their gray card, so to speak, in the future. Yeah, you got that? Okay. Um, then you have a, uh, a, a hybrid, which is half ET, half human. And then you have a tall, six and a half foot tall, blonde, blue-eyed uh, chrononaut who would be the leader of the team. Uh, and that would be the earlier time travel teams that came back here. So they come back here and they do nice things. So let me give you an example of a, of a case history. <clears throat> so I call this, and by the way, my book, Time Travels from Our Future, and my Egypt book deals with time travelers. My Time Travels from Our Future book was the first book written about it. And this will describe in more detail the case I'm going to describe now. So I call her Wendy, not her real name. Uh, she was um, 
a very depressive woman. She came to me, she was overweight, depressed, her life was a real failure and she didn't know what to do. And um, so she said, um, I said, okay, I'm taking her history. She goes, I gotta tell you doc, I have something really weird and I don't want you to commit me. And I said, okay, what's on your mind? She was abducted many times. In fact, she was abducted in between our sessions, okay? She was like in her 30s, okay, which is abductable age. They abduct you until you're around 40 years old if you're a woman, okay? So I said, so you have all these abductions, missing time episodes, this and that. And she goes, yeah, but I remember it. And I said, well, what do you remember? She goes, I'm taking a watercraft. <clears throat> I'm in this conference room. And there's this guy who looks like a, a Malibu beach bunny, okay, this big guy, this six and a half foot tall guy, blonde, blue eye, wearing a white toga with a golden sash, which is a time traveler. And he's communicating with me how? By telepathy. That's how they communicate, okay? Now she's not in the fifth dimension. She's in the earth plane dimension. I said, okay, so what's going on? Tell me about this, because I know the story, but you know, I've heard this many times before, but I wanted to hear from her. I didn't want to lead the witness here. She goes, well, he sits there and he shows me holograms of my past lives, because the time traveler can and will trace you in past lives to the current. So I said, okay, so what is she showing you? He says, well, he showed me all these scenes where I've been abandoned, murdered, raped. And I mean, you know, every, this is like a bad soap opera. I said, okay, is there anything else you can tell me about the time traveler? She goes, yeah, it's really weird. And I said, what's that? He goes, every time he showed me these scenes, he's welling up like he's about to cry. And I said, you mean he's getting very emotional? She goes, yeah, I don't know why. I said, why don't you ask him? She goes, can I do that? And I said, look, between now and next week when I see you, you're going to be abducted, right? We know that, right? Okay. So um, don't, don't bring a camera with you. They're not going to let you do that. Okay. All right. But next time there, you telepathically communicate and say, why are you so concerned and so emotional with showing me these holograms? So she does. So you know what the time traveler said to her? He says, the reason I'm so emotional is because you are my great, 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 great grandmother. They were allowed to work with their family. Now, the ending of the story is very interesting. Remember, they know the future, right? So he said to her at the very end, he goes, we're going to stop doing the abductions now because we've done everything we can with you and we've raised your spirituality. She overcame her depression. She made major breakthroughs in her life, right? He said, now I want to give you a little piece of advice and I, I want you to take it to heart. In the near future, you're going to meet a man with red hair driving a white Corvette. Uh, don't turn down his date, okay? <laughs> so about a year later, she kept in touch with me. She meets Roger. Roger has red hair, drives a white Corvette. They start dating. They get married about eight months later. They have a baby boy. And in the future, they're going to have more baby boys and blah, blah, blah. And eventually, they're going to give birth, at least their descendants, to a time traveler. So that's my karmic family values from a time traveler episode, okay? That's fascinating. Now, another case, which is even more significant on another level, is Tina. I call her Tina, not her real name. She was um, abducted, of course, many times. And um, she was abducted um, when she was about 16. And uh, when she came out of this experience, she didn't remember the abduction. She had amnesia. She had a lot of problems gynecologically. So her mother said, let's go to the doctor, okay? So she goes to the doctor. Now, Tina was a virgin, okay? So obviously not a California resident, okay? Uh, so, so she goes to the, her gynecologist, and um, the gynecologist says, you're pregnant. She goes, I can't be. I'm a virgin. 
She goes, look, I, the ultrasound is, is rather clear. You're pregnant. So she goes, well, what do I do? And she goes, well, I'll work with you on this, but you know, you're going to give birth eventually unless you want an abortion. So a couple of weeks later, she goes back to the doctor and the doctor says, um, I have to sit there and talk with you. And why? She goes, you're no longer pregnant. Now there are pseudo pregnancies, but that wasn't this. She goes, what do you mean? I, I thought you said I was pregnant. She goes, yeah, but you're not. She didn't have a, ble a bleeding situation where she gave up a lot of tissue, none of that. She just had normal bowel movements, et cetera. So now we fast forward to when she's in her thirties. Uh, so now she's around 33 or so. She's having these uh, abductions, et cetera. So finally she describes how she's on a military base, an underground military base. And now we have a government collusion to the time travelers, right? And they take her to a, a, a certain room in the base where there's a laboratory. And then one of the grays, the ETs comes out and says, we have someone we want you to introduce you to. And they bring out this hybrid, half human, half ET, a girl by the name of Anna, that was her daughter. So they took her egg, fertilized it, with an extraterrestrial. And, and the reason why they wanted her to meet her daughter was because obviously the Greys are not big on emotions and they wanted to have some parental daughter reaction, you know. So there's an example of how uh, you have hybrids and, and how these uh, ETs, uh, especially the ETs, uh, they have uh, fertility problems and that, that's one of the things they do. Now, one last thing I wanna talk about time travels is how they built the Pyramid of Giza. Uh, I have a description detail in my Egypt book, as well as the time travels from our future book. They have this thing called an anti-gravity flying craft. It's a pyramidal shaped device. It's about nine feet long. It hovers over the, over the air and the air, it's an anti, this, uh, air generator. And they use a, a annihilation reaction to create anti-gravity. And that's how they move these many tons of rocks into perfect alignment because the Pyramid of Giza is some structure that we have not been able to duplicate today with its accuracy. It's unbelievable. Um, and uh, so anti-gravity flying crafts answer the question of how was the Pyramid of Giza built, Stonehenge, all these megaliths throughout Europe and Africa, because there's more than just one pyramid in, in Africa, there's about 60 of them. Um, and uh, so uh, the anti-gravity flying craft is a brilliant technology, not by the ETs, but by the time travelers. So if any of your listeners or viewers see an entity, an extraterrestrial with a one-piece jumpsuit and a triangular insignia on that jumpsuit, you're dealing with a futuristic time travel because that's the standard MO for time travel. They wear a triangular shaped insignia. And the top of an anti-gravity flying craft also has a triangular shaped insignia. That is their MO. That's interesting. And, you know, to think like you mentioned, the uh, the gods of Egypt and and before, um, you know, that were written about in some of, you know, more ancient texts could have possibly been time travelers coming back to help steer humanity in a certain direction, right? Well, they were. The first, uh, the major ones, you know, the, uh, the uh, Egypt has what they call an idiot. They have nine major gods. Um, and of course, they worship Ra, the sun god, as the main one. But they had uh, Nu and all these all these gods. But uh, uh, Isis, Osiris, uh, Horus, uh, Geb, 
uh, Horus was the son of Geb, uh, uh, of Isis and Osiris, and then you had Tatos, which was Thoth. Those are major gods. Those are biggies in the Egyptian uh, uh, theology. Um, but let me show you something that time travelers do. They're big on technology, so I want to discuss a little technology. This is really cool. I mentioned the wormhole linear accelerator. Now, by the way, for those of you that think this is a science fiction uh, theme here, there's a man named Kip Thorne, who is, a geo, is an astrophysicist at Caltech University in Pasadena, here in Southern California. Caltech is rated higher than MIT as a university. That shows you how good that school is, okay? Kip Thorne is very well known in the field. And he wrote an article in 1988 um, to document what time, can time travel be manifested? And he documented enlarging wormholes using exotic matter. It's very technical. I don't want to bore your audience with that. But he documented the mathematical models. We know how to do that. We just don't have the elements to do it. We don't have exotic matter, which is negative mass and moves forward in time. It's the opposite of antimatter. We don't have the technology yet. They're using supercomputers today in Switzerland and other parts of Europe and America to create exotic matter. We don't have it yet. But we do know the mathematical models. The models do work. So uh, the theory behind a wormhole linear accelerator is really not arguable, okay? It, it works. So that's one thing. Then they have something called a time sequence nullification unit, which is, <laughs> it uh, patches up the ripples in the fabric of space-time. So when they come back in time, they create holes and they try to patch up these holes. And they do, but they can't get all of them. So we would have a lot more complicated planet if it wasn't for that device. Then they have something called a morphogenic cell regulator, which allows time travels to be in invisible on the three-dimensional world. So when they come here, why would they want to be invisible? Because the men in black, and there are men in black, they will take them out. They will kill the time traveler. So if they're invisible, they can't see them. And uh, now they can't uh, detect a time traveler when they're in the fifth dimension. So that's why time travelers mostly work during your dream levels at night, because the men in black can't touch them. Now, there's an interesting study about uh, scientific and artistic achievements. They found out that 80% of the brilliant aha moments in science and in art, various forms of creativity, occur in dream levels at night. That's because time travels are there, not complicated. Uh, then they have the suspended animation device, which projects a luminous red ball that can freeze people involved and put them in suspended animation. There's a case I report in my time travels book of this a woman was in Miami, downtown Miami, which is not a good neighborhood, by the way, not Miami Beach, downtown Miami, big difference. And she was walking along and all of a sudden a drive-by shooter was coming through a car, a bunch of teeny boppers, I guess, mafia type thugs, and they were driving by and they were about to shoot her and a whole bunch of citizens. The next thing she knows is this red luminous ball comes out, freezes everyone, including herself, the time travel goes up to the car with the punk kids, takes the guns away, right? Removes them and then releases them back into the time sequence. And then those kids drove by without shooting anyone because they didn't have the guns. So that's called the uh, suspended animation device. Then they have, of course, the teleporter beginning in the 35th century where they can teleport anywhere in time, anywhere around the world without having to use a wormhole in your accelerator. And then my favorite device is called the intergalactic line healer. This is part of what's called quantum medicine. So let's say somebody dies. doesn't matter how they die. They can revive someone if they catch them within 24 hours by using this device. It looks like a pen flashlight. They can also re re resuscitate or regenerate a lost limb. 
like a lizard would do, okay? You can't do that as a human, but you can with the intergalactic line healer. Uh, so that's part of what's called quantum medicine. Now, there is technology in the future that I want to describe that this shows you, I like the 35th century, it's my favorite century because it's the century of the greatest technological and spiritual developments. So because Tatos was the first one to discover time travel, so they there's an amusement park in the 35th century, long behind his death, called the, the Land of Tatos. So it, it floats about 3,000 feet above the earth, and there's a force field around it so you don't fall off the edge. And the purpose of this amusement park is that you can actually go back in time. So let's say you and the kids want to go back to the Renaissance for a few hours. That's what the Land of Tatos does. So that's a futuristic amusement park. Then there's something called a food simulator, which I call the mind witch machine. It looks like a microwave, except you think of the proverbial chicken sandwich. It creates the food. You can eat as much as you want without gaining weight. It's perfectly nutritious. And uh, you don't have to kill chickens for this, okay? Uh, then the other one is called the alpha singularium, which is a very strange device. It has like sounds and weird colors going through your body and it increased the production of the body's DHEA, which is eventually a sex hormone, but in its intermediary state, it increases the, uh, uh, the immune system so that you can live longer. The average 35th century citizen lives between five and 900 years young. So think of the patriarchs from the Old Testament. You know, Methuselah was 969 years old and died, you know, right? Think about that, maybe they were time travelers. Uh, then there's a holographic relaxation center, sort of like the holodeck on Star Trek, where if you can't go anywhere, but you want a vacation, you can create this like going to Paris or uh, Bali or whatever, and you can enjoy yourself. And um, each home by that time, by the 35th century, will have a, uh, a teleportation center, so you can teleport around the city or to different states without having to get on a plane, etc. So that's what the... Um, uh, that's what the uh, tech future technology is uh, related to. That's fascinating. Um, to, to close out tonight, we've had so much talk lately uh, from the mainstream media about UFOs. You know, um, it seems like either they're preparing us for something or kind of it's some sort of soft disclosure, although I don't ever trust anything that comes out of the mainstream media or government. Um, you would think that these factions secret government factions know that we're dealing with time travelers as well, wouldn't you think? Of course they do. They know that. Remember the deal here. Okay, so let's talk about the Greated Treaty first. The Greated Treaty was established during the Eisenhower administration. Uh, Eisenhower uh, was, um, he was golfing somewhere in Palm Springs. You know, he liked to golf, right? And one day he's on the golf course, a military jeep pulls up on the golf course and a enlisted guy says, Mr. President, uh, your, your presence is requested. Okay, well, you know, what are you going to do, right? He's commander in chief, right? So he goes into the Jeep and they take up to Edwards Air Force Base. And while he's, while they're, while he's going into this main, like, um, uh, when you're driving up to the base, there's a big, like, concrete area with his crafts on there, aircrafts and stuff. He sees a UFO, a gigantic UFO, right? So he knows this is not going to be a regular meeting, okay? So he goes into the conference room. There's a bunch of generals there. Okay, he knows generals, right? Then all of a sudden, a couple of ETs are led into the room. And this is what they tell him. They say, Mr. President, these ETs are going to make us a treaty. They want to abduct certain of our citizens for research because of fertility issues. 
And uh, in exchange for that, we're going to allow them and we're gonna get technology from them. So we want you to approve that and this and that. So Eisenhower, you know, what's he gonna say, right? I mean, if they don't approve it, ETs can take you out, right? So he approves it. The problem with that, that treaty was never submitted to the, to the Senate. It was an illegal treaty. He could have been impeached for that. But anyway, that's the deal. So we have about 8 million Americans that have been abducted is the current estimate that I read. Um, and uh, the deal was, isn't it interesting? Look at the technology we have. Computers, we have cell phones, satellites. Well, isn't that interesting? Why did we do this 100 years ago? You know, the human brain hasn't changed in 300,000 years. Our species has been around for 300,000 years. The raw materials on the earth are actually lower now than it was 100 years ago. We had the raw material, we have the brains, but we didn't have the connections with ETs and time travel. That's why we needed to have the mentors, you see. Uh, so that's that was the tree. So now, as far as the government, of course they know that. They're just governments will always sell their soul. They're whores, okay? You give them technology, you can you can have sex with their grandmothers. They don't care. They just want technology. They're fighting the Soviet Union in the old days. That was the 1950s. Soviet Union had a lot of nuclear weapons aimed at us, okay? They wanted to make sure that we have the technology to defeat them, or at least to protect ourselves. So that's where you had the Star Wars thing, you know, you had all this kind of stuff going on. A lot of it was a bluff. But um, don't forget, if you go back in history, if you ever study on the military channel, they show you these films when we were developing our, um, our, 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 our crafts to go to the moon, how a lot of the time the crafts would, would fail and they shouldn't have. Or when we do a nuclear test, all of a sudden there would be an interference with the communication. In other words, there were some ETs that were saying, hey, we don't guys, we don't want you to develop nuclear power, man. You know, you guys are really immature. You're very angry. And, uh, you know, uh, we're on your list here, okay? So um, there's a lot of evidence to show that we have, there's a lot of ETs that have been around. They've been around this planet forever. In my, uh, my Time Travels from My Future book and my Egypt book, I document how this goes back millions of years to actually uh, help our species evolve, to help our creator evolve. So um, yeah, of course the government knows about it. There's nothing they can do. You know, if you ever study the history of World War II, in February of 1942, there was a major issue in Los Angeles where there was a craft uh, in the sky and the military was called in. They thought it was a Russian thing, right? Or a UFO. And they had like hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition, anti-aircraft uh, uh, you know, uh, weapons going at it. Nothing happened, okay? It didn't put a dent into this thing and eventually disappeared. But it made the newspapers, you can check it out. It was February, 1942. Uh, and so that was a very serious issue, but it meant nothing because we can't uh, use our weapons to knock out a UFO. Uh, it's not going to happen, okay? Um, when they crash, like in Roswell, they do because of their own problems, not because of us. But yes, the government knows about it. They don't care. Their attitude is, give us the technology and you can have your way with us. And they have been doing this since at least the 50s. And I think it goes beyond that, actually. Yeah, but definitely the 50s. So uh, that's 70 years. So um, yeah, of course the government knows about it. And that's why we have men in black. Right. So what yeah. do you think is, is, is happening now with, um, you know, with all the talk and disc soft disclosure coming out? Um, you know, we have TTSA now um, talking about right. UFOs, a lot of the mainstream media. Is it sort of a preparation or something else? But, you know, it's not soft disclosure. Mexico and South America, that's hard disclosure. They give you real evidence of UFOs and they don't have any inhibitions. 
look, Pentagon, defense contractor, defense industry, they're paranoid freaks, okay? You know, I'm not worried about my CIA file. I'm sure it gets thicker every time I do an interview. Hey guys, I don't care, okay? Uh, get a life, will you? Um, but they, they're paranoid. They want to control. They think that we're all going to have panics. You know, if you had a gray go to the UN and give a conference, people would think it's a Hollywood publicity stunt. I think people are so apathetic and been so conditioned by films and TV and bad novels that they wouldn't really care. I don't think people would panic. Maybe a couple of idiots would, but this country wouldn't be in bad shape. But the government doesn't want you. You know what the main reason is? It's not just the panic part. I think the government is saying, look, your technology that we're taxing you for is not due to us, it's due to ETs. And we don't want you to know that. We want you to think that we did this by government grants. And that's a scam and a lie. And they know that. And that to me is the main incentive. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Dr. Goldberg, I want to thank you so much again for coming on tonight. Uh, before you head out, uh, let everyone know we will have the links in the description as well where they can uh, find your books and more about your work. Okay, they can go to my website, which is www.dr and then spell Bruce Goldberg, G O L D B E R G dot com. If you order the uh, Exploring the Fifth Dimension book and mention the show, you automatically get the free CD, which is Fifth Dimensional Travel, Take You Out of the Body. You can also follow my work on my, my monthly webinars. It's obviously on my homepage. You can see that. Uh, I'm, I do my interviews with Gaia, with George Norrie on Beyond Belief. Uh, I've done seven interviews, actually eight. The eighth one should be aired the next month or so. Um, I do sessions by computer, of course. You can always uh, check me out on Skype, FaceTime, or uh, 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 or Zoom, actually. And if you want to see what a time travel looks like, there's a portrait of Traxa, the first time traveler I met on one of the articles on my homepage called Time Travelers I Have Met. So, and of course, there's lots of articles on there, videos on the YouTube uh, channel. You can click on that from my homepage. There's about 55 YouTube clips showing actual interviews of me working with people hypnotically and all the various techniques I do. And all my books and CDs are also well uh, represented on my homepage. Wow, man, we've got so much more we could talk about. So I'd really love to have you back on soon in the future. Well, I'd love to reincarnate uh, your, uh, uh, your listeners are more than welcome to contact me and just just mention the show if you do because if you do I give you priority if any of your uh, viewers want to make an appointment or something if they mention the show I will put them on priority not on the waiting list that most people have to go through oh that's great well Dr. Goldberg thank you so much for coming on and until next time everyone else have an excellent evening <laughs>